And in this one short, beautiful life, that's over before we know it. Always remember that the tragedy of life is not death. The tragedy of life is arriving at the end and realizing you never lived. All right, everyone, welcome back or welcome to the Live Unbound podcast. This is a space where we explore the stories, secrets, and skills of the world's top performers coming from diverse industries, including business, sports, entertainment, the military, arts, adventure, and much more. I'm Steve McDonald, your host and high performance consultant. Okay, so today I was honored to speak with Jerry Hustle. Jerry has been dubbed the soul coach, predominantly for his perspective and his approach and philosophy around high performance and lifestyle and potential. It's all around being fully human, mind, body, spirit. Jerry embodies this in his own life and you know is a real example of what it takes to, to be at your best but also to, to embrace all of life and all that it has to offer from all the emotions to all the experiences and everything, everything in between. So Jerry's an exceptional guy and we had a great conversation. Some of what we explored are overcoming anxiety and self-doubt and Jerry was, was brave in the conversation to talk about his suicidal attempts when he was a teenager and his life from that moment to now and how it has impacted his journey. Lifestyle factors that influence your health, the beliefs, universe, the humanity that we are in within at the moment in time that is challenging and how we can deal with the current situation that we have, the global context with war, with pandemics, with loneliness and all of those things. Prioritizing you, prioritizing self-care and developing an empowered mindset and much more. So I hope you enjoy it guys. Jerry, great to, great to be speaking with you. We have We've got so many connections in common, right? So it's kind of, I was surprised that Tony know that we're actually talking to each other now and hope it's going to be the first of many, but it's yeah. great to have you here. And I'm looking forward to um, just bringing your character to, to the people that listen in. You know, I think it's going to be usually valuable for them and for me as well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Jerry. So, so Jerry, I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to start with a question that it's not an easy question, right? But I think you're somebody that definitely... Um, has asked this question many times, right? And the question is basically, who is Jerry Hussey? Um, that's a great question. I didn't know you were going to start off with that one. Are you fucking not holding back? I would say Jerry Hussey is uh, a brave, passionate, often terrified, often full of self-doubt, being who believes he can have an impact on the world for the better, who can, who's determined to challenge an outdated medical world, an outdated psychology world, an outdated psychiatry world, to challenge them to think deeper and better about the human being. And I'm also a person who is committed to living a life of, of freedom, where I give myself yeah. permission to live where I want to live, to work with the people I want to work with and to work in a way that allows me to spend more time with my kids, my wife. So it's, who is who, who am I? I'm someone that is passionate, I'm fearless, I'm often scared, I'm full of doubt which sounds, um, which sounds counterintuitive, but it's not. And I'm driven by this mission. Um, and that comes from being a child wrecked with anxiety, and panic attacks, two suicide attempts before I was 14, mm. thinking my life was value, valueless, 
and being told by a doctor that I was perfectly healthy and that I was making it all up so I didn't have to go to school. And at 14 years old, I remember in that doctor's office realizing that for all the certs on the wall, for all the incredible things to do and do incredible stuff, and for all the incredible knowledge that Western medicine has, and you have to acknowledge the magnificence of it, it's mm. absolutely missing something. And I'm going to find out what it's missing. And at 14 years old, I knew that was my life mission. And I'm as passionate, as ambitious, and as hungry about it today as I was when I was 14. Jerry, thanks so much for sharing. So honestly and, and uh, openly and vulnerably, I mean, of course, I, I wouldn't have expe- expect anything less. I know I've got the, the freedom within here. And, and just from reading that, there's there's a huge um, inspiration in in listening to you um, even through the book, you know, so it's, it's powerful. But I, I, yeah, I, I feel compelled to just pause at the self-doubt piece, Jerry, because I know there's, to myself, right? I mean, you know, unless you're not a human being or you're a psychopath, I mean, you we all have self-doubt and it is crippling in many ways. Um, can you tell me more about what that means to you and what that looks like to you and, and how you kind of work with that or live with that? Yeah, I think I think we all experience self doubt, and I worked with some of the biggest, you know, business people in the world and the greatest world and Olympic champions, and they all have doubt. And it's not necessarily doubt. Put me on a stage, um, put me on a stage, and uh, to five thousand people and ask about the microbiome, the gut brain axis, the neuroscience. That's very comfortable for me. Um, having children is terrifying because am I going to be a good dad? Am I going to be good enough? I know the flaws in my character. Am I going to be a good enough husband? Am I making a big enough impact in the world? Am I good enough son? Um, that's where I doubt myself at times. Sometimes I'm so passionate about my own work that I can live in my own bubble. Um, and then I challenge. So my message is challenging. And my message is about science. And it's about, sometimes that upsets people. And sometimes... People want to blame the outside world for all the bad stuff that's happening in their life. And my job at times is to make them take responsibility for how they're contributing to their own chaos. So I know I upset people. And I know at times I, out of pure love, I tell people things they don't want to hear. And I challenge science. And sometimes I have to expose a science or a narrative that people have believed in all their life and maybe have wasted a lot of their life buying into and believing that narrative. And now I'm going to blow it up in smoke in, 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 in 90 seconds. So sometimes I ask myself, do I really need to do this? Do I really need to upset people? Am I a bad person for doing that? When I talk openly about my own self and my mother feels like maybe she failed as a mother because I had so much anxiety. All of these yep. things are difficult. Yep. And it comes down to the science, when it comes down to challenging pharmaceutical companies and food companies, when it comes to challenging medical science, that's simple for me. But the other stuff is what I doubt myself. Am I upsetting people? Do I really need to say this? Um, and that's where the self-doubt comes in. So for me, it's, it's part of it. One time ago, I would have allowed self-doubt to decide how I acted and how I behaved. Mm-hmm. Now I live with self-doubt, but it never defines me. I can listen to it. I can be aware of it. The brain is a threat detection system. So all of mm. 
Brian's responsibility is to identify threat to make us feel fearful. That is the breath's mechanism, the brain's mechanism. That's the way it, it, it keeps you away from danger. So I can listen to my brain. I can listen to self-doubt. And then I go back into my heart and my soul and I ask myself, in this one short life that you get, what would love do? What would bravery do? What's the mission? I remember that 14-year-old kid standing in a doctor's surgery being taught that he's making it up so he doesn't have to go to school. And that's that that fear. So I ask yeah. all my clients, you know, the way in which you're living your life, are you living it from a place of fear or a place of love? We all feel fear, but not everybody's defined by fear. Every great player before they run out in Pro Park, they feel some level of fear, but they know how to manage it. They know how to deal with yeah. it. So yeah. self-doubt is, comes from fear. Am I hurting people? Am I offending people? Am I doing the right thing? And then I have to get out of my head and into my heart. What would love do? And that's how I overcome yeah. it. Terry, do you know, um, there's just so many areas now which I want to have really rich conversation on, right? But one of the, like that time you were 14, I mean, that's been one head of a journey from, from then to now, right? There's so much in that, but I'm curious about, um, did you forgive, was it hard? Like, did you forgive that doctor that told you you know. Of course, of course, because he only knew what he knows. So you, you can only be angry at somebody if they deliberately do something. And what you realize is the medical Western, the Western medical world is dealing, it deals with acute illness to really two modalities, chemical medicine mm. or surgery. Western world believes in Newtonian physics. So every physical change in the body is caused by a physical change in the body. So if there's a problem in the liver, the problem has to be in the liver. Hmm. Quantum physics says that frequency changes and it changes matter. Medicine does not teach doctors about the microbiome. Up to very recently, it does not teach them about the good brain axis. So you can't be angry at someone for something they were never taught. Like, I can't speak Chinese. So I hope no one is angry at me because I don't speak Chinese. I only speak the language I've learned. And for too long, we thought that Western medicine was taught everything. They're not. They're not trained in trauma. They're not trained in the good brain axis. They're not trained in the microbiome. They're not trained in vagal tone and vagal stimulation. They're not trained in neuroscience. They're not trained in neuroplasticity. My belief was that they were. So if I was going to be angry with anybody, it's why would I believe that this person was trained in all these things? No one told me that. So it was absolutely, and like there's so much that I'm not trained in that I need doctors for. And there's so much, you know, in Western medicine, that's phenomenal. But every modality has to understand that we do not have the full picture. And every modality has to recognize the limitations of its, of its own training. Mm. That's where, for the first time ever, I think nutrition, good health, medicine, psychology is coming together in a whole new way. And each yeah. modality, each discipline recognizing that I bring something special and unique to the conversation, but the answer is never going to be an old one. So if you have a liver yeah. issue or if you have a depression, it actually could be in your, it could be a gut issue. If you have a gut issue, it could be a thinking issue because the gut brain are intimately linked. 
five times more information comes from the gut. And we now know that most illnesses begin as a gut imbalance, the microbiome. And up to four or five years ago, I was saying this 20 years ago, and up to four or five years ago, a lot of Western doctors still didn't accept yeah. the microbiome. And now the incredible research is coming out there. So we only know what we know. We can only understand what we're taught. And every one of us, myself included, have massive limitations to what I see, what I know, and what I believe. And if we don't recognize our limitations, that's the danger. Jerry, do you know the, um, that microbiome? Because I know it's, it's been, it's really uh, coming to a conversation now very strongly, right? So for people that really aren't very much aware um, that maybe are very, I wouldn't say conditioned, but kind of that old approach to health and, you know, you're problem with your liver and you've done something bad in your liver. Like, how do you, how how would you, what what do they need to hear about giving them the best chance to be really fully healthy and through their microbiome and through the kind of more integrated approach? Yeah, like we are more bacteria than we are human cells. And I know people might find that bizarre. So we're a, a, a mass of bacteria. And those bacteria, we have good bacteria and we have bad bacteria. And the microbiome is like the first time, the microbiome is much more than we think. So as the baby passes through the birth canal, the mothers, it's wrapped in the, the afterbirth. And that's the microbiome being passed. And one time ago, the minute the baby was born, they'd take a towel and they cleaned the baby immediately yeah. and wiped off the microbiome. Now they're not doing that anymore. I grew up on a farm and I used to see calves being born. And there was no way the farmer would rub the mat. The only thing they might do is clear the nostrils and make sure the calf could breathe. But it was an understanding that the afterbirth was left around the child until the mother decided it was time. So the microbiome, firstly, a massive part of the development is being passed through the birth canal. Babies who were born through cesarean section don't get that. So there has to be a replenishment procedure after a C-section. When we were having a baby in 2020, which isn't a million miles miles ago, we were going through the different options and the different types of births with each of, uh, with each, with our consultant. And we had an amazing consultant. And every way, the only, the most important way is the baby's born healthy and the mom is healthy. So we know that. So. C-section or not, if you need a C-section, absolutely, it's, it's the right thing and the doctor will make the right call. Yeah. I asked, if there's a C-section, obviously, they don't get the benefit of the microbiome. How do we replenish that? And there's no answer. Mm. This is 2020. So the microbiome is this incredible organism that has years of wisdom. So think of the mother... It's like the breast milk. When a baby gets breast milk, they're downloading the learned immunity from the mother. So we as human beings have thousands of years of learned immunity. And that comes into the days of microbes and bacteria. And mm. It's a complex understanding, but we have it within it. So we get it through the birth canal and then Think of the microbiome, think of the gut as almost like the Amazon rainforest. It is this perfectly balanced environment and it gives us our immunity, it gives us our vitality, it gives us our energy. But it can be damaged 
just like when we put pollutants into the Amazon forest, mm -hmm. the microbiome can be damaged. Yep. What damages the microbiome? Processed food, stress, antibiotics. One course of antibiotics knocks out your microbiome for 12 months. So when you come off antibiotics, now the big question is, should we be on antibiotics? We certainly shouldn't be on as many as we should. And in the next couple of years, the World Health Organization is preparing for the next health challenge. And the next big health challenge is the millions of people that will die because of antibiotic uh, resistance, because we've become almost desensitized to them and they've wiped away a microbiome. So we have to yeah. regularly ensure that our microbiome is healthy, is vibrant and strong. A depleted microbiome is now scientifically proven to have connections to anxiety, to stress, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, cancer. So mm. everything is in the gut, but the microbiome is so much bigger than the gut. So when we talk about gut health and we talk about microbiome, you're talking about thousands of years of learned, powerful immunity. And when you manage the bacteria in, in your gut, in your microbiome, you have this incredibly knowledgeable, powerful defense force. When your microbiome gets depleted, you don't have it. And we are depleting our microbiome through processed food, kills it. Yeah. Uh, living in a sympathetic dominant state, which is a high stress mode, depletes it. Antibiotics depleted. And now we're beginning to realize, I mean, a long time ago, people didn't even talk about that micro. It was like the appendix, they do nothing. Yeah. Nothing in the body does nothing. And now we're realizing that so many illnesses are caused by or influenced by an imbalance in the microbiome or a gut, a gut, a gut health issue. I suppose, Jerry, just what are some of the stuff that kind of, I suppose you might have answered it by the flip side, but what are the things that you do every day that, I suppose, feed or, or I suppose, nourish that microbiome and in general nourish you? The biggest killers in the modern world, and I've been saying this for, for a lot of years, so I think up to 80% of all illnesses are caused by lifestyle. Now, I know people who I really admire and I really trust. And they're saying that every illness is caused by lifestyle. I'm not there and I want people to be, and I'm, I'm, in 20 years time, I look back, I might look back and say I was wrong. But as of today, I'm willing to say that whether it's genetics, chromosomes, or just bad luck, I believe that some people who live a healthy life, who meditate, who do all the right stuff, still get sick. That's my maybe limited and maybe wrong belief for yeah. the moment. I don't believe that every illness is created by lifestyle. And I want to put that out there first. However, with the same knowledge and the same experience, I'm willing to say that 70% of illnesses. Now, depending on the illness, so if it comes to heart disease, which is the biggest killer in Ireland at the moment, 10,000 people a year on average die of heart disease. Jerry Hussey is not saying it's lifestyle. The Irish Heart Foundation is saying that 80% of that 10,000 deaths could be stopped by lifestyle change alone. Now they're saying 30% of cancers yeah. by lifestyle. So when we talk about lifestyle, we're talking about three dominant factors. Unregulated stress, 
we're living a sympathetic nervous system. We're in fight or flight mode. We're in the flood and cortisol, adrenaline. And for every minute you're in the sympathetic nervous system, your parasympathetic nervous system is switched off. What is your parasympathetic nervous system? Only when your parasympathetic nervous system is switched on, does your, does your body heal? Does your cells regenerate? Does your microbiome and your gut switch? So for every minute you are living in fight or flight, stress mode, which we call the sympathetic system, your immunity, your nervous system is switched off. So the first thing is unregulated stress. The second is processed food. Nothing is killing human beings on the planet right now faster than the food we eat. Mm. And when we think of processed food, we think of McDonald's and Burger King. No. The bread you're eating, the crackers you're eating, the breakfast cereal that you're eating, the most important, because we've been fed a lie. So unless it's natural, it's processed. And then we've ultra-processed food, where you read something and the first ingredient is sugar, fructose, corn, emulsifiers, dextrose. Those have no place in my body. You see, you see them everywhere, everywhere, no matter what you like. Everywhere. Any shop you go into, you pick something up. So we've unregulated stress, we've processed food, and we've a lack of movement. The body is meant to move. And when we move, we move emotion, we move energy out of the body, we create endorphins, which is endogenous morphine in the feel-good hormone. The brain releases cannabinoids, which are really powerful. And the muscles in the body secrete what's called the miracle hormone, the miracle. And it does an amazing healing on the body. Exercise is one of the greatest gifts you can give your immune system. It's one of the greatest gifts you can give your brain health, your organ health. So when we talk about lifestyle, processed food, unregulated stress, and lack of movement, in my belief, is leading or heavily influences up yeah. to 70 80% of all illnesses right now. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. They're, they're really the, the pillars of health, and I suppose adding sleeping with that as well. But Jerry, just taking your, let's, let's, like I'm curious about how do you set yourself up so that you have, you have those healthy, nearly organic foods because that's hard, right? It's, it's so hard to actually get yourself set up where you can have, you know, good food, nourishing your food, and and also there's the routines around exercise and stuff like that. So if I was to talk about you, Jerry, and your like your routine, your habits, how do you set yourself up? What do you do? Yeah. The first thing is, you know, your life goes in the direction of the story you tell yourself. You have to stop saying it's hard. I hear too much. It's hard. It's hard. I'll tell you what easy is. Easy is sleep in the morning, fill your head with miserable thoughts, scroll on your phone, drink coffee, eat processed food, stay in a job that you hate, sit on the TV eating crisps and Netflix in the evening with a glass of wine. That's the easy life. That's the shit life. Because your body starts to degenerate. Your brain switches off. And you get stuck in a state of anxiety, depression, illness, low mood. Mm. So you want to have a conversation about hard or easy, you got to choose your heart. Stuck in a job that you hate, feeling anxious, not being proud of the life you're living, yep. not being proud of 
of the choices you're making. That's hard. Getting out of bed, jumping into an ice bath, 20 minutes of exercise, meditation, breath work. Okay, that might be a little bit hard, but what it gives you, it's like winning an Olympic medal or yeah, for yeah. you playing in Crow Park, winning an All-Ireland. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but was it worth it? You bet your damn life it was. So I don't care about hard or easy. What I know is the easy life doesn't lead to a whole lot. Yeah. So you have to choose your heart. And then you decide, right, I'm going to make you a promise. Like I have two young kids. My youngest daughter is one and a half years old. If she gets married, if she gets married, that's probably 30 years away, Stephen. So I have to ask every morning, do I want to be at her wedding? Do I want to walk my little daughter up the aisle? And if I'm there, do I want to be sick? Or do I want to be healthy? Do I want to have my first dance with her? And then now we know that 80% of whether I'm there or not is down to me. Yeah. We need that why, Stephen, to bounce without a bed. And people say, well, I know I run a, a business, I staff, I have wages to pay, and I have young kids. I don't have time. If you have kids, that's why you have to make the time. It's your responsibility to be healthy, to be happy, and to be there for them. Yeah. yeah. And 15%, 1%, sorry, 1% of your time is 15 minutes every day. Surely you can find 15 minutes. And if you can find those 15 minutes in the morning, you wouldn't go into a big game without being prepared. You wouldn't go to a big meeting without being prepared. So every morning you wake up, it's a new day, a day you've never had before, a day you'll never get again. It is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Do not sleepwalk into it. Yeah. Do not drag the emotions of the past into it. So every morning, the key thing I do is I move the body, I energize the immune system, I start my day with hot water and lemon, I, I, I put food into my, my system that's going to help my microbiome. I meditate and I ask myself this one question. Who am I choosing to be today? What words am I choosing mm -hmm. to you? Because we can't control what happens to us in life. We can't control what happens in the world around us. But we at every moment get to decide who we are. And if we're not taking time, if we're caught up in all the external world and we're constantly reacting to the external world, we never take the time to stop, to breathe, to focus and say, even with all of this going on, W-I-N, to win is what's important. Yeah. So every morning, activate the body, balance the nervous system, change your chemistry, eat nourishing food, and ask yourself, W-I-N, in order to win, what's important now? Look at this in Jordan, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> it's very simple stuff. It's simple stuff. I totally resonate, yeah. And you, like, to be honest, like, you're in a very similar situation to me with two young kids, with the performance business, with, you know, people, your, your wages to pay, you know, you all of those things and a lot of commitments. So I'm probably going to be selfish in asking this question, but... Like, how do you, like, just very, you know, quickly, I suppose, do you actually get up before the kids wake up? Or what's the actual, uh, how do you manage that kind of high performance or that healthy lifestyle with, with the kids that are demanding and you need to give it to them as well, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, depending on what time your kids get up, um, I get up around half five in the morning. I'm definitely up at six. The kids tend to wake up at half six or seven. So I know in our house, come seven o'clock, if I haven't taken the time to myself by then, I'm not going to get it. Mm. Sometimes the kids wake up early and sometimes I put them playing and as they're playing on the floor, I'm doing my exercise. And I might be doing an online session. It could be a 20-minute hit session. It could be a yoga class. Now, of course, they're around me. They're climbing up on top of my head. And it's not perfect. But at that moment, it's the best that it's I can do. It's the best you can do, yeah. yeah. I've often been doing squats and holding my little girl, singing and talking yeah. to her. So you have to integrate. I mean, I wish I had a home gym where that was silent and my kids never come in. I don't. So sometimes I'm exercising on the sitting room floor and the kids are crawling on top of me. Yeah. But that's okay. I was doing presses the other morning and my little boy, who's four next month, was sitting yeah. on my back. So I said, yeah. right, instead of doing my normal, I'm just going to reduce the number and see. And he was having great yeah. fun. And it's great for him to see you as well, right? And for the kids to actually see the daddy taking care of himself and working hard, taking a hard, making a hard decision. That's it. And I just think you have to integrate it. So it's not always simple. It's not always convenient. Sometimes I don't get to do the full yoga class. I get to do half it. But every morning I do what I can do. And if the kids are climbing on top of me, I'm not giving out about it. Because I, I, I say to myself, there will be a day that my kids won't be here. They've gone off to college or they've gone off somewhere else. And there'll be a day I miss them. Mm. Just be grateful. I get to do press-ups with my little boy. Instead of saying, I have to do this, a lot of people say, I have to. I have to go to work. I have to do exercise. I have to go to the gym. The minute you say, I have to, now you're in a victim mentality. I get to. Yeah. I get to do press-ups with my son sitting on my back. I get to do prison squats with my little girl singing in my arms. I get to. So you have to integrate it. Yeah. You have to get up at whatever time you can. Sometimes, most of the time, I'm finished by the time they wake up at half six or seven. And sometimes I'm not. And I integrate them into the session, but I, yeah. I, I'm sure I get it done. And one of the simplest things you could do is at the end of every shower, as cold as your shower can go mm. for 90 seconds. If yeah. that's the only thing you do in the morning, that's something. Yeah. Or often I will start running on the spot or doing some shadow boxing. And my kids are so used to seeing me exercise and what, that they nearly get involved or turn some music on and a dance. So it doesn't have to be hard, vigorous, precise exercise. It's energizing. It's energizing the body, getting the heart rate up, getting a little sweat up. And now you're changing the chemistry of the body, you're changing the biology of the body, and you're changing the frequency of the body. So my exercise are often well-planned, well-thought-out in a quiet space. And they're often chaos yeah. in a noisy space with my kids hanging off me but i've learned i've learned i've learned that's okay too that's okay too yeah and that is and I, like I, I have a nice bad hair jerry you know and uh i'd have the kids the kids would come out with me you know in the morning so they're out straight away in the morning we're just gonna kind of, be dark and they um they give me a countdown and then so it's good you know to integrate them in with it at points in time is probably better than actually doing it alone as well at times as well because you're inspiring them Right, and something that they see doing hard things. J Jerry, just I, I I definitely want to talk about your new book and also, you know, what you're doing with the corporate world. I know you've got an event coming up, but I suppose a lot of listeners listening in, 
would probably want me to ask the question about um I know peace is peace is a huge part of this new book and the freedom within and having peace within yourself. Um which is that's where you start, right? But I suppose the question I want to ask right now is kind of like the world that we live in right now. Do you know, and I suppose like does does one piece in your book here, do you have to read it out? To bring me to a place of emotional ease, I've examined and reshaped my deepest beliefs and realized that very often it is our inner beliefs that drive our emotions and not the outside world. Maybe the only two questions we really need to answer are, what do you really believe about yourself and what do you really believe about the universe? Right, so it's kind of that second one, what do you really believe about the universe? Because I think it's very challenging right now about what's going on in the world to to have a have um, a positive view of kind of, you know, what the world is, is doing and where it's going to be in time to come, and especially with young kids as well. There's some slight concern with, with that as well. So how yeah, do you manage that? It's a, it's a great question. So what do you believe about the universe is a bigger question what do you believe about planet Earth? And what do you believe about planet Earth is a different question to what you believe about humanity. And what do you believe about humanity is a very different question to what you believe about certain people. So let's start with the universe. From a strictly scientific point of view, there's a thing called the cosmological constant. Now, what does this mean? It means that there are so many millions of permutations. Like we are a mass of dust and heat, and we're moving at a speed we can't even imagine. There is not one static point in the universe. Everything is moving at all times. Mm. And the whole universe is moving. We've no idea how big it is. We think it's 100 billion galaxies. We don't know. If it's 100 billion galaxies, then what we live in is the Milky Way. So everything we know is just the Milky Way. That is just one tiny galaxy in 100 billion. We don't know. So we say the Big Bang Theory. The Big Bang Theory is a theory. There's mm, no theory. No credible evidence to it. And in fact, the credible evidence is if the Big Bang Theory was an explosion, then at some point we would be slowing down. But we're speeding up. So now the feeling is rather than being propelled from an explosive point, we're actually being pulled by something else. So we don't know where we're moving to. We don't know where we're going. Now, when you look at thermodynamics, thermodynamics is the best scientific principle to study the universe because it looks at the mix, the interaction of matter and heat. Thermodynamics, second principle, the second principle of thermodynamics is entropy. And entropy means that when chaos is added into a closed environment, it eventually becomes chaos. It can't regulate itself. So it's almost like the dominoes. Once the domino falls, the law falls. Mm. So a closed circuit with no intelligence has not the ability. So think of a, a child going, or think of someone going along on a, a rollerblades and they get a wobble. They can rebalance themselves because of a learned intelligence. Yeah. But if you didn't have an intelligence, if you didn't have awareness, you wouldn't rebalance yourself. So entropy says that an environment without a deeper intelligence has no ability to rebalance itself. So when you think of the thousands of millions of permutations that it takes in order for the sun to rise in the same every day, the Earth's rotation to stay as it is, the gravitational fields yeah. to stay as they are, mathematically, no matter how you work it out, it's impossible. Yeah. So science 
and mathematics cannot explain why the constant cosmological events are happening. We can predict the sunrise. We can predict the axis of the Earth. We can predict the speed of the Earth's rotation. We can predict the position of stars. And quantum physics will say, well, that is not predictable. So there has to be an observer. So what do you believe about the universe? It is unscientific if you follow the strictest principles of science. And forget about your religion. You follow the strictest principles of science. You follow the strictest principles of thermodynamics, and you follow the strictest principles of entropy. It is unscientific to believe that the world began itself, and it is unscientific to believe that the world maintains itself. If you're a deep scientist and you're willing to hold true to the principles of science, you have to accept that there most likely is a field of energy that is different to the universe's energy, that is outside of the universe's energy, and that that field of energy has both awareness and intelligence. And that is what is somehow shaping and guiding the universe. So we are not alone. Now, religion will say, well, that is God. It's a force of energy. Mm. Quantum physics, physicists will say, screw your God. It's a field of energy. But sure, we're talking about the same thing. So the great misperception in the world is that religion and science are polar opposites. They're all actually saying the same thing. So what do you believe about the universe? We're here for a bloody reason. And it's not a mistake. And there is something other than ourselves guiding us. You break down the frequency of the human being, and you realize that we are frequency. Einstein said, in order to understand anything in the universe, you have to see it as either a, a, a particle or a wave. We are waves of energy, and we are at some in some way connected to that external feed. So it's like a swimming pool. You can't have a pissing area in a swimming pool. <laughs> so you can't separate a human being, the one energy field, all of matter is created within the same field, and all of matter at the same time is the same field. So think of it as a wave in the ocean. Mm. You see a wave in the ocean coming in, you said that's a wave. It's not a wave, it's the ocean. And yeah. then it hits the rock and disappears back into the ocean. And you say, oh, the wave has disappeared. It hasn't disappeared. Every physical thing that exists in the created world is a physical manifestation of an energy field. Now, this is science, this is religion. So what do I believe about the universe? It is a field of energy. It is a frequency. Part of our matter is recycled stardust. Hmm. And yet we have awareness. No neuroscientist on this planet, no biologist and no geneticist, no neuroscientist can tell you where awareness comes from. Awareness is not in the brain. The brain is responding to awareness. The brain listens to your thought. The brain through neuroplasticity is changing shape and structure based on what you're thinking about, which means the thought begins outside the brain. We are not a bag of bones. We are not a bag of molecules. We're not a bag of chromosomes walking around. We are an intelligent energy field. And when you change the frequency in the body, you change the expression of the body, the cells and genes 
we know that now called epigenetics. A long time ago, we used to think that genes were the were what caused your health destiny. No, two identical twins, exact same genes. Mm-hmm. One gets cancer, one doesn't. Genes are not your health destiny. The environment in which the gene exists is more important than the gene itself. Now, what's the environment? The environment is the frequency. We are frequency. So what do I believe about the universe? We are an interconnected field of frequency. We manifest as physical. But once the physical dies, where's the frequency go? Well, science tells you that energy cannot be destroyed. It can only be moved. Mm. So which particles dies? Only the body. Yeah. Which part of your body does your personality exist in? You can have a brain transplant, but you're still Stephen. You can have a heart transplant, you're still Stephen. You can have a lung transplant, a kidney transplant. You can lose your, lose your two yeah. legs, lose your two arms, and you're still Stephen. So what part of the body does the personality begin? It's not in the body. So we need to think differently. That is the question. And that is pure science. But mm. most people don't either bother to understand or don't want to know that the science is actually more mind-blowing than fiction. So, so Jerry, this is amazing, right? But you have an event coming up in Kildare, is it? In Kildare, 14 Kildare. Because you're in Portugal now, right? You have events in Portugal too, but this one is going to be in Kildare and it's coming up. This is your next event, Jerry, because I, th- I, th- I think like, you know, people got to go to that and, you know, I, I'll, I'll get up there myself. So can you just tell us more about that when it is, where we can find tickets and I'll put it on the show notes as well. What it's about. Yeah, it's 14th of May. I will be taking people through the signs of dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, the microbiome, the good brain health. And I will also be teaching, going back to your last question, like we do live in a world where so much is happening. Yeah. But we can't control what happens. It's easy to become hopeless and it's easy to become disempowered. How do we empower ourselves? These wars will end. Based on what I just said, the world will rebalance. As long as we keep putting an energy. So what do we focus on? The moment you wake up, if you put your time and your energy and attention and awareness into things you can't control, you become disempowered. If you put your time, energy, and attention into things you can't control, you become empowered. This day is about teaching people, even in a world full of adversity and in a world full of uncertainty, where people are listening to wars, people are facing cancer diagnosis, people are losing their jobs. In a world of adversity and change, how do we develop a mindset that is empowered? And it's what I teach all my athletes. You can't control what's going to happen. You can't control the outside world. But if you're coming from a place with good health, your good health is strong, your immune system is strong, your brain is clear, your thoughts are calm, and you're really focused, then no matter what happens, you'll you'll, you'll navigate it much better. So the whole day is about empowering people with science, with information, and practical ways to develop an empowered mindset that we can still rise and thrive. The world needs people not to become hopeless, not to throw their hand at Right now, we need to step in. It is a tiny percentage of the human race that is causing our, ha- our, our struggle. 99% of human beings are kind, loving, good people. 
great mothers, great dads, working hard for doing the right things. It is now the 99% stood up. And we empowered ourselves. Yeah. We can't become these disempowered. So that's what the day is about. It's about teaching mindset. But we'll also have music. We'll have fun. Um, they're not overly scientific. <laughs> I don't kill people with science either. I share enough science. The fun. And sometimes in life you have to laugh. Sometimes yeah. I'm dealing with people that have six months to live. Now, we can't make that go away. The question is, in the six months you've left, how do you want to live? Do you want to live it in fear and stress and anxiety and bitterness? But you want to live it in joy and freedom. So that's the techniques that I've used. That's what I believe in myself. I don't get to control the world. I don't change the universe. But I can empower myself to be a beacon of what I want the world to be. A beacon of calm and love and kindness and forgiveness and fun. And whatever impact, how big or small that has in the world, I'll be okay with that. But I'm not lying down. I'm not becoming a victim. And I'm not allowing the 1% to discredit what we as the human race can be and what this incredible, beautiful world can be. A world of kindness and love and beauty where people are respected and treated equal. And as long as there is a breath in me and as long as I have a voice, that is what I will stand up for. And that is what I will be a voice for. Hmm. But it takes work. That takes the work of empowerment every day. No, Jerry, that's definitely an event that, you know, you know, every human being could could do with attending given how, how the world is at this moment in time. And, and always, I think, there's always opportunities for us to to transform, right? And, you know, be better versions of ourselves so that we can actually be a spark that brings that in from those in our own communities and our own families. And you do that as well with organizations, Jerry, I suppose, because I, I mean, there's a huge impact as an individual you can have with your own community, your own family. But I think organizations have such a huge um, weight in the world. And I suppose that's where I, see, I would see you having such huge value by being able to go, to go into organizations and do this type of work. And is that is that kind of something that you're doing, Jerry, or you've plans for and that's going to be doing more of? It is. And, uh, you know, I, I believe every human being and every organization is one question away from a major breakthrough. And I believe that very often organizations are simply moving too fast. And we're revolving and we're not actually taking time to think. So what I do is I provide leadership courses and leadership experiences where I take people to the Alps. I bring them on a wellness uh, uh, performance retreat. And first, I just give them time and space to stop and breathe. Mm. And the question we ask is, how are we contributing to our own chaos? How are we contributing? And what can we do to empower ourselves to become better, more calm, more focused? So it's about health and performance go hand in hand. You can't outperform the level of your health. If you have a leadership team that are tired, stressed, there's fear, there's uncertainty. So my job is to firstly, individually, re-energize them, give them the tools to become like athletes, mentally calm, emotionally clear, physically well, they have their energy, they have their vitality, they can make good decisions. And then secondly, to bring them together as a cohesive team that yeah. deeply care about each other, that deeply understand each other, that understands their limits and understands their power. And at all times are asking that question, how are we contributing to our own chaos? Because the world is going to be challenging. 
You can't control your opponents. Great question, Jerry. Yeah. But if you are the best that you can be, and I just think a lot of teams, either through chaos or stress or tiredness, it's push, 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 go, 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 go. And they're out on their feet and they make a bad decision and they're exhausted. So it's putting a full performance package around the individuals on the team and then the team itself. Yeah, it sounds, look, Jerry, sounds um, very connected to the work I do and definitely want to talk more about that. And I think look, I can only talk from experience and that that would be hugely valuable for any organization to have that support, that platform, that foundation for them to do to to go on and do it, good things and enhance their impact. Jerry, conscious of time, right? Um, any last message for people listening do you want to share before we wrap up? If I was to distill my entire lessons and understanding that one thing, it's choice. We don't get to choose what happens to us in our life, but we always get to choose our response. Learn yourself to become more present, to let go of past hurts, past wounds, past arguments. Let go of the fear of the future. The right person with the right process never worries about the outcome. Are you the right person? Are you fit? Are you calm? Are you healthy? Are you strong? Are you living from a place of fear or a place of love? What's the stories you're telling yourself about yourself, about the world? Are they enabling you or disabling you? Are they healing you or hurting you? Change your stories, change your frequency, change your biology, become empowered. And then look at the universe and say, right, no matter how small, as an empowered individual, how can I create an empowered world around me? Mm. And whether it's your children, or yourself, or your work colleagues, Never underestimate the power of a kind word, the power when you turn up and you make a choice. So every single morning, you have two gifts beside your bed, a chance, a chance to make a difference, a chance to improve your health, a chance to eat good food, a chance to see the sunrise, mm-hmm. a chance to become a better dad, a chance to become a better mom. And you have a choice and the choice whether you take those things or not. So I would say to everybody, in a world that wants you to believe that you've no choice and that you can't make a difference, you absolutely have a choice. You choose who you are. You choose your thought. You choose your emotions. You choose your actions. And in this one short, beautiful life that's over before we know it, always remember that the tragedy of life is not death. The tragedy of life is arriving at the end and realizing you never live. Ask yourself, if I truly loved myself, if I truly backed myself, if I stopped listening to my own excuses and I give myself permission to fail and permission to succeed in this one short, beautiful life, what would I do? Who would I become? Right person with the right process never cares for the outcome. Inspiring, Jerry. That was really hit, hit home with me there. I have no doubt it hit home people listening too. So, um, so Jerry, thanks so much. Look, you're an absolute... Um, inspiration in many ways I feel privileged to have spoken with you in the way we did just now um, I will be there in May so I look forward to it and I will be bringing people with me so I'm going to be gathering well, come in April because it's on the 14th of April so don't come in May alright I thought it was 14th of May April everyone 14th of April <laughs> yeah. again, it's sooner. Now you've created doubt in my own head um, I will double check I'll, I will let you know I think it's the 14th of April we'll put it in, 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 in I'll put it in show notes yeah. we'll get it right yeah. we'll put it in show notes um, yeah. 
sooner the better. So happy days bring on April and look, Jerry, thanks so much again. And look, I'll um we stay connected and look, I hopefully we'll um we'll do something clear or point time. But I'd love to do something which uh, maybe in the corporate world we'll do something together or um between us all and that's the way just like minded people get together and uh, you're doing incredible work. So keep it up. And uh, and I know your incredible mission to be the biggest impact you can in the world, yeah. and also the dedication you have to your kids. And I think it's not that we have to do it all, but it's lovely. It's great to change the world, but if you have to leave your kids to do that, so I know a bit like myself, it's not always easy. But being a good husband and being a good dad is is probably more, the most important things to me. Um, and I, I know they're really important to you as well. A lot of people go and they, they're busy changing the world, which is great, but they may be not living it at home. So um, you're doing great work. You inspire everybody. You inspire me. So keep it up. Okay, everybody, that's another episode done. Thank you so much for listening. Jerry is an incredible guy and I'm excited to continue to, to connect with Jerry and definitely have him on the podcast again at a minimum, maybe do some work together. And he's got a very big day on Sunday the 14th of April lined up. Unleash and elevate your potential is the day and what it's all about. So if you have any hunch that you want to go to it, definitely go. It'll something. It'll be something you won't regret. So thanks so much again, everyone. I, I just want to acknowledge um, you being here. You're investing in yourself by listening to the episode. And please feel free to share this, subscribe, leave a rating. It all helps us to continue to bring these episodes and bring these conversations to you. So thanks, lads. And listen, have a good one. Have a good day, good evening, good night, good morning, good week, good year. It's all good. And I look forward to um, bringing more episodes and more conversations to you. And hopefully it will help your life. All right. So thank you, guys.